This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Let's take a second to thank today's sponsor, Anchor. Anchor is by far the absolute easiest way to make a podcast. And when I say easy, I mean easy. First of all, it's completely free and there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit right from your phone or your computer. Best of all, with Anchor, you can add any songs from Spotify directly to your episodes. So the possibilities are endless on what you can create. Whether you want to create a music analysis, your own radio show, a deep dive on your favorite genre or artist, or something that the world's never heard before. Anchor will even help publish your show to Spotify so you can reach hundreds of millions of listeners. Oh, did I mention there's no copyright on the songs? Yeah, it's that easy. If you guys want to start a podcast that includes music, or you guys just want to start a podcast in general, get started by downloading the free Anchor app or going to anchor.fm. And if you need some inspiration, you can head over to blog.anchor.fm slash music from some more idea starters. Thank you so much, and let's get into the episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to The Real Real Podcast with me, Natalie Barbu. Today's episode is a great one, especially if you are in the social media space, if you have a YouTube channel, if you have an Instagram, if you want to work with brands more, or if you're on the other side of things and maybe you're on the agency side or the brand side, it is such a valuable episode, or honestly, if you're just curious, because the social media industry is a very secretive industry at times. I feel like because it's so new, people don't know much about it i can't tell you how many times i have been asked so how do you make money so what do you do for a living like this is your job i always get asked questions like that so this episode will clear the air if you are also just one of those people that's honestly genuinely curious about it anyways today i interviewed one of the co-founders of shine talent group Shine Talent Group is one of North America's leading talent management and brand partnerships agency, and Shine specializes in the online and social space. They work with brands and agencies and create campaigns that are memorable and inspire consumers to take action. Jess Hunnichen and Emily Ward are the co-founders of the multifaceted influencer and PR agency Shine. After launching Shine in January 2015, which you guys will hear all about their creation of it, the team quickly saw the opportunity to fill a void in the influencer landscape. So in November 2015, Shine Influencers was born, built to serve as a resource for brands and marketing slash PR agencies with one-on-one talent management and campaign strategy consulting. This is obviously something that I am very interested in, not only as an influencer, but also as the founder of WeBloom Social. WeBloom Social doesn't manage influencers and we don't work with influencers on that end, but we do like creating influencer marketing campaigns for brands. We help brands with their influencer strategy and influencer relations and also just social media strategies. So hearing how they came up with shine influencers was really inspiring and also very helpful for me so building on the rapid success the team has expanded to represent celebrities athletes and social talent with offices in toronto los angeles and montreal 
They are incredible. I had the honor of interviewing Jess for today's podcast, hearing all about her story, hearing all about how her and Emily had met and created China Influencers. And it's just, it, it's so, so valuable. We also talk about the future of influencer marketing and of the space. And I think it's going to be really helpful for a lot of people. Also, I want to talk about a few people that they represent just so that you can get a look at all of the amazing people that they're representing. They represent Sarah Nicole Landry from The Bird's Papa. Kaya, Katie Harrell, who you might know as Moo and Macaroons, Talia Hubble. They have so many people on their roster that are just incredible, incredible talent. They've secured deals with huge brands like Revlon and Unilever for their influencers. And then they also are the founders of Bodycon, which is a body confidence virtual conference this year. Hopefully later in the future, there'll be more in-person events, but they're all about body confidence and self-love. And it's just incredible what they're doing with the influencer space. So I'm very excited to welcome Jess on the podcast. I think it's going to be such a valuable episode it would really mean a lot to me if you guys could subscribe and also leave a five-star review on apple Podcasts. i'm going to read one of the uh one of my reviews from apple Podcasts because i love highlighting a reviewer of the week this review comes from dm joiner i feel like all of these usernames are like so random but she was actually referencing episode 94 he or she was referencing episode 94 and they said i just finished listening and i feel so motivated after i absolutely love listening to interviews because they're so inspiring thank you and episode 94 i'm trying to think which one that was and that one was with shelby church so i'm glad that you guys found that one inspiring i'm glad that you liked it um but yeah binge the episodes i feel like i have so many random guests that are very very valuable and inspiring and i'm so honored that all of them would come on my podcast it just means so much to me um and i've been really loving the guests that we've been having on and i i just am so privileged and so grateful that all of them would spend an hour of their day with me to record an episode for you guys so and for me who am I kidding I learned so much from my episodes but anyways without further ado let's just get into the episode with Jess let's talk about styling hair because it is a whole production especially when you are battling frizz and take it from me I live in Miami Florida it is about to be summer I really know frizz but honestly I would rather be doing something else like booking a spontaneous vacation to St. Bart's or re-watching the heirs tour for like the third time you know the important stuff but who actually has time for frizz Introducing Way's new anti-frizz cream. It is like a superhero for your hair. It provides immediate frizz control that lasts up to 72 hours. I actually brought it on a trip with me and my friend borrowed it and she purchased it right then and there because it was that good. So how does this fit into my hair routine? It is the best thing I could have done for my hair. I am all about saving time and the anti-frizz cream does just that. Plus the Sydney inspired North Bondi scent is so amazing. You can thank bergamot, Italian lemon violet and more. And as someone who is always concerned about heat damage because I definitely use a lot of heat on my hair, this anti-frizz cream provides heat protection, which is such a big relief. And my hair feels so much lighter and looks smoother after using it. Get busy being frizz free with Way's new anti-frizz cream. It's not just about taming frizz. It also provides heat protection up to 450 degrees, reduces and repairs split ends, quenches dry hair with intense hydration. And according to a consumer perception study, 90% of participants agreed that their hair looked less frizzy after using it. I can definitely contest that. And while you're at it, check out Way's other bestsellers like the leave-in conditioner, which I also use, detox shampoo, fragrances, hair oils, and hair gloss. They're all essential for achieving that salon-worthy look at home. 
So you can first free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter promo code RealReal for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code RealReal. Life doesn't happen bi-weekly, so why should payday? The money you earn can be in your hands today, as it should, with Earnin. Earnin is an app that is changing the game when it comes to getting paid. Imagine having access to the money you've earned as you work, not just waiting for payday. With Earnin, you can access up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Just download the Earnin app and verify your paycheck. Then access up to $100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. So think about it. The next time you're planning a special night out, you need a last minute gift for a loved one, or you face an unexpected expense, like maybe a trip to the vet. Earnin has you covered. For me, it's about having the flexibility to handle those surprise expenses that life throws my way. So whether it's unexpected bills or needing to cover rent when things are tight, Earnin gives me peace of mind knowing that I have access to my hard-earned cash when I need it most. Make Earnin a part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability, security. It gives me a lot of peace of mind. Download Earnin today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earnin app, type Real Real under podcast when you sign up. It really helps the show, so please don't forget that step. Real Real under podcast. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank. Subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Hi, Jess. Thank you so much for coming on my podcast. Hi, Natalie. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm really excited to get into this. Like I was saying before, I'm an influencer, so seeing the other side of things is really interesting for me. And I know so many people that listen to this podcast are also into social media. They're trying to either start a YouTube channel or an Instagram, or they might already have one. And just learning about this is going to be so, so helpful. So I'm really excited. Let's uh, pull back the curtain, hey? Exactly. (laughs) So before we get into the topics, I always like doing setting the record straight. And this is where I give you some stereotypes or I'll tell you some assumptions. And then based on your own experience, you'll let me know if they're true or false. So the first one is influencers need a media kit. Absolutely true. 100%. Yeah. 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 A media kit, if you're looking to do this as as a career and you're looking to make money from it, um, you need to be including all of those like key statistics, um, where you're based, where your audience is based, what their age range is, male, female, all of those types of things. That's what agencies and brands want to see from you. Um, so having that in a really like nice, concise one to two page package, um, it makes it makes the marketer's job a heck of a lot easier. Yeah, I feel like having it all in one spot and constantly updating it is also just really important. And do you recommend people to have their rate on their media kit? Because I feel like this is a topic that a lot of people wonder. I come and go on this one and I think you can do it either way. So I don't think it's – I certainly wouldn't look at this as a hard and fast rule. And I think at the end of the day, right, all rates are negotiable. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think it as from the influencer side – It really depends, like your rates can depend on so many factors. So we put rates in our media kits at Shine, 
but it's also like it's it's tricky because someone might be asking like let's say even just using um, like one single Instagram post let's use that as our baseline so let's say you're putting that rate at twenty five hundred dollars but at that I'm like I don't know if there's exclusivity I don't know if there's usage I don't know if you need stories I don't know if you want to take that content put it on your website put it on a billboard who knows right um, mm-hmm. there's so many other factors that can come into it so what I hate that happens is that a brand might see it and be like great, your rate for a post is 2,500. I'm like, well, you didn't tell me that I needed to be exclusive to your brand or category for the next six months. So actually this is now $10,000, right? And then it kind of, you know, there's such a huge swing in terms of like what rates can be according to like the deliverables and what the ask is. Yeah, I completely agree. And whenever I tell people that ask me, they're like, well, what should my rate be? I'm like, it totally depends. It also depends on if it's like a big brand, if it's a small brand, like what their budget is. You know, I feel like it's different. You like a crazy about and would dream to work with, or if it's a brand that so naturally integrates into your feed, or if it's a brand you already use and your audience is familiar with it, like all of these things come into, um, come into consideration, right. When you're, when you're doing that. So I think for that reason, like, you know, Again, this is why I flip back and forth. It's nice to have rates as a baseline, so so a brand's going to know, like, okay, you're you're at least within my ballpark. I know I can I can afford you, um, but uh, but yeah. So I, I like to have them in there, but certainly with a caveat that says these rates do not include exclusivity, usage, whitelisting, all of those mm-hmm. things. And making yep. sure that that's very very clear. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. I wanted to take a quick second to thank today's sponsor, Podcorn. Podcorn is a marketplace connecting podcasters to amazing podcast sponsorship opportunities such as host-read ads, interview segments, topical discussions, and more. As a content creator, one of my main streams of income is through my podcast by doing sponsorships like these. It's such a great way to earn an extra set of income or to just make some money on the side. Podcorn makes it so easy to find these sponsors. I found it really difficult to cold email brands to sponsor my podcast. So many brands weren't sponsoring podcasts or they might not have had the budget to sponsor my podcast, but Podcorn connects you with brands that are looking for podcasts to sponsor just like yours. With Podcorn, there is no middleman. Podcasters of all sizes can browse and choose opportunities right on the platform, set their own rates, and collaborate with brands directly without any exclusivities. You never give up any rights to your podcast, and Podcorn is here to support you at every step and ensure that you're protected and compensated for the work that you do for the brands. Uh, You guys, I've been in the influencer space for a while and honestly getting sponsorships on Podcorn is so fast and easy and it is honestly like the best way to get a podcast sponsor. I am not just saying that. The Marketplace mission is to give podcasters transparency, creative freedom, and full control of how and when we monetize. Click the link in my show notes to sign up for Podcorn and start browsing sponsorship opportunities. Now let's get into the episode. And the next one is it's easy to be an influencer. Oh, goodness. Well, I think if they make it look easy, like that just tells you how good they are at their jobs, right? So I think from from an outsider's perspective, and I know neither you or I are in that position, but as an outsider's perspective, as just like a general consumer, I think, as I said, they can make it look really easy um, because you look at it like, oh, they just like took a selfie and you don't see like what mm-hmm. you see is the final product. You see like what is produced and that that's a, a beautiful photo. But you don't see, you know, 
the weeks prior and the months prior potentially of like the negotiations, the like your agent going back and forth with them if you have an agent, um, but, you know, going back and forth, settling on the rates, writing the contract, reading the contract, redlining the contract, agreeing on the contract, all of these things. And then that just gets to the point where you've agreed on it, right? Then you're like, okay, I'm doing this job. Now I have to create a mood board, buy potentially the props that I need, find a location to shoot, shoot the content, style it, edit it, write the copy, post it, engage with my audience. So there are all of these things that like, again, whilst it may look really easy to execute, I think that just kind of, it's all credit to the influencer or the talent for making it look that way. But really there's so much that goes on behind the scenes. Yeah, especially if you don't have management, it's like 10 times harder, I feel like, because you're the one negotiating and doing everything. But Oh my gosh, I didn't even include like invoicing. Like then you have to send the invoice and chase up the invoice that's inevitably late. Um, so that there's so much that goes into it. It's wild. Um, and and yeah, like if you don't have management, like, oh my gosh, like add a day's worth of work to it. And I think what we forget is that like you look at, you know, an influencer's content. So like you look at this like beautiful imagery and then like, let's compare it to like a beautiful shoot for like a, a car commercial or something like that. Let's like use the automotive industry. So like mm-hmm. you look at that and, and I know, and you probably know as well as people who are in the marketing industry, how much money and time has gone into producing that Again, beautiful singular image of this beautiful car, and you know it's 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 months of prep work and and like upwards into the hundreds of thousands of dollars, and then on the other side you'll have an influencer who again has produced beautiful content, um, almost on their own if they don't have like a small small team that they work with, um, who's producing it for just like such a fraction of the price. Totally. And I feel like a lot of times influencer marketing reaches more people or at least converts yeah. more than a commercial, honestly. <laughs> yeah, well, you it's, it's kind of that really lovely hybrid, right, between uh, editorial content, which is like written by a, you know, unbiased journalist and then the like an actual ad. And I think that's where like it's like it's not just an ad because you're asking these talent for a personal endorsement, right? So they are endorsing this mm-hmm. product. They've built this trust with their audience over often years and years of, of working for free, right? So they've built this trust. So like your your audience knows that like, oh, when, t- you know, when my favorite influencer posts about, you know, her favorite place to vacation or their favorite car or bank or, you know, where they love to buy their clothes, you listen because you know, you feel like you know them and you trust them and you've been, you know, they're kind of like this little friend on the internet that you've had, had for years. So, you know, you certainly don't get that with, with a billboard, right? Right, right. I mean, I couldn't agree more. I feel like everything you said is so spot on and there's so much more behind the scenes that people just don't see. So, and like you said, if they're making it look easy, then they're doing a good job. So (laughs) I totally agree. And the next one is you need to have a certain size following to be an influencer and work with brands. Um, So, you know, when brands are coming to you or PR agencies or marketing agencies are coming to you, they're certainly looking for like, you know, the number of followers. Like it's very unlikely that you're going to get paid collaborations if you have 200 followers, you know. But that said, 
again, and this is where it kind of comes back to your media kit, looking at like, what's your like really unique point of difference? Like what is your selling point and what sets you apart from everyone else? And I think that gets into, you know, when we can talk about like niche categories. So for example, I don't know why I'm on the car bandwagon today, but let's say you're an automotive, um, (laughs) right. And you post all about cars and you have 3000 followers. So in like the, you know, the fashion influencer space, having 3000 followers isn't going to get you very far. But, you know, if you have 3,000 followers and all you talk about is cars, a car brand is probably going to find that really appealing, right? So I think it depends on, like, what mm-hmm. your um, what your category is, what you're talking about. Like, that's a big part of it. And then, of course, your engagement, you know? So, like, we can look at people who have a million followers and have under 1% engagement. Or you can look at someone who has 10,000 followers and they have six, seven, eight, nine, ten percent engagement. Again, like highly, highly engaged audiences. And there's so much value attached to that. So I think that like, well, yes, like when I when I look at Shine and we look at all of the things that we look for in talent who we represent exclusively, you know, the numbers have to come into the picture. Like they they just do. And I've seen people with amazing mm-hmm. content who have a thousand followers. Like it's just it's not it's not the fit for us. Um but that said, I would say like Typically when you're getting to, you know, it's not so much about looking at the number of followers you have. I would say like use as a barometer when you start to have brands reaching out to you, like, you know, and like what cadence is that? How often are they reaching out to you? What are they saying to you? Are they offering you, are they offering to pay you for your work? Are you asking to be paid for your work? Or are they just, are they just saying, you know, we can send you this teeth whining kit, right? Like, is that, is that where they're at? Right. Right. Serious place where you're like, you know what? I actually can't handle this volume anymore and I need to expand my team. And that's really what, you know, a management agency should be, should be looked at. Right. Yeah. I mean, I have people all the time ask me, when is it time to get a manager? When should I get a manager? And I always say, whenever you can't handle it on your own, because I think people think managers like wave a magic wand and like, oh, you have a manager, you're automatically going to get brand deals. And that's not how it works. Yeah, <laughs> you have to have people come up to you first. Really, yeah. And I think it's, you know, that you can have brands reaching out to you and, you know, potentially there are people who can manage it themselves. Like there's no question in that. But I think it's either like when it gets to a point where you can't handle it yourself anymore or when you get to a point where you're like, you're ready to like level up, right? And, you, you mm-hmm. know, you're have someone else come in and do that negotiation for you because it's just a different tactic. Like having someone else, you know, and I, I will always relate it to like, you know, if you think about like your best friend and you're like, okay, if I was selling myself for a job, you know, obviously you're going to say, yeah, I'd be really good at this. I think I do a great job and la la la, especially as women, we're not good at negotiating for ourselves. Um, typically anyway, like that's scientifically proven that women are not great yeah. at themselves um but if you think about your best friend you're like oh my gosh she would be amazing you cannot hire anyone else she's going to be the best best person you could imagine for this job so I kind of think of it a little bit like that like and again we represent Helen who we genuinely love and adore so it's easy for us to you know sing their praises from the rooftops because we do love them and and we love their content and what they talk about Mm -hmm. and, and engage and all of those things so I think that you know, when, when you're ready to kind of get into like, you know, into the big leagues a little more, I guess, for, for lack of better words. Um, I think, you know, that's when it's also time. Yeah. To 
And also now I'm curious on how you got started in the influencer industry. When did you get started in it? Were you in entertainment beforehand? Or I guess what was your entrance into the influencer world? Yeah, I have a bit of a like winding road that led me to it for sure. So I um, I, I grew up in Melbourne, Australia. I'm Australian. Um, so I moved to Toronto when I was, gosh, now I'm like, how old was I? It was around seven years ago. I, I, I was in, I was 20. <laughs> 26 or 27 when I moved to Toronto and my background prior to that had been um, in marketing and publicity primarily in entertainment so I worked for two uh, major television networks in Australia doing publicity for one and marketing for another Um, and before like years before that as like a random job I was managing photographers for like a like an ad agency Um, which again I, I often forget because it feels like a different life Um, but now when I kind of look at what I do, I'm like, oh, it's funny how all of those little things, it literally wrote my job description that I have now that didn't exist. So Mm -hmm. when I moved to Toronto and I was like, well, I'm obviously going to work in PR. That's what I did in Melbourne. I love PR. It's such a fun industry. I moved here knowing no one, um, aside from my boyfriend at the time. So for me, I was like, I want a job that's fun. And I want a job where I'll connect with people and I'll be able to like make friends and, and everyone in, in entertainment is typically, you know, pretty young, pretty like-minded. I was like, I'll have fun with these people. Um, so I came here just thinking, oh, it, it will be easy peasy and someone will hire me because I'm so great at this. Um, but I moved to Toronto. Yeah. And was, <laughs> Why not? Why not? <laughs> I'm like, I'm amazing. Why wouldn't you hire me? Um, so I moved to Toronto and had a rude shock, one with the freezing weather, um, and I moved in like the, the middle of the Toronto winter. So that was a, just a bad move in general. Um, but then I came here and I was like, okay, I'll like apply for some jobs and it'll take, you know, a couple of weeks or whatever. And, and I'll, someone will hire me, but uh, that did not happen. So I kind of went back to the drawing board and was like, what the heck am I going to do here? No one wants to hire me. This is, this is becoming problematic. Um, so I, uh, I kind of went back to square one and I looked, I'm like, how did I get all of the jobs that I got when I lived in Melbourne? Like, and I, I kind of realized that I never, like, I never got jobs in a traditional way and, you know, like straight out of school, Mm -hmm. um, I, I started a PR agency, like a, a very small PR agency called Honey PR, um, in Melbourne. And that was a lot of fun for me. And I was like a, I don't know, like a, an obnoxious 21 year old who was like, I can do this. How hard can it be? Um, and I had a ton of fun doing it. And it, it taught me to kind of, I know my parents said to me at the time, they're like, give it a go. And if it doesn't work out, like get a real job. I'm like, okay, cool. So I like had that support and that backing, which was lovely. Um, and I, I went and did, and I did that for about a little over three years and had the best time and learned everything that, you know, learned so many things um, and worked with a number of other women who were also freelancers in the PR space in Melbourne. And and they taught me so much. And as I said, above all, like I had just a lot of fun doing it. So then I was kind of like, I, you know, I I only know what I know. Like my obnoxiousness was (laughs) dwindling a little. And I was like, I should probably learn from some other people (laughs) who have been around a little longer than me. Um, So I was like, I want to work in television so I, I did that and I switched over to like the TV world. I knew one person who worked, who was like the head of um, publicity at um, one of one of uh, Australia's like large networks. Um, and I went to her and I was like, this is what I want to do. And she's like, oh, I think uh, I think Channel 10 is hiring. I think they just had like a, an internal shift. And I was like, okay. 
So I, I knew the, the head of publicity and marketing's name. That's all I knew. And I was like, I'm going to try every email like template. I was like, is it first name dot last name? <laughs> at? Is it first initial last name? at? I tried like 10 of them. I was like, I will try and do this until I was just getting like bounce back, bounce back, bounce back. I'm like, I'll figure it out eventually. That's determination. That's determination <laughs> yeah. though. That's <laughs> An industrious little little shit, that's for sure. But anyway, I uh, so I found her email and I went in and and she was she was like, I'm sorry, I'm in, in a bit of a like a tailspin today. My uh, my marketing executive just resigned after five years, and I was like, okay, like that sucks. Blah blah blah. Um, and she's like, oh, I you went to school for marketing. I thought you wanted a publicity job. I was like, yeah, like I kind of have bounced back and forth between marketing and PR. Um, and anyway, she called me about a week later and was like, I am so busy and I really need some help. Can you come and, um, and, and do like two weeks with me just to like, help me like get through this like craziness of, of, uh, this person leaving after five years. And I was like, absolutely. I'd love to do that. So I did that. Um, I was there for a week and she offered me to, to stay and have the job full time. So that was kind of my, my start in publicity. And then a, a year or two later, my original contact who I first went to and was like, I kind of want to do this. What do you think? She called me at that point and was like, I'd love you to come and work um, for Channel 9, which was another network. Um, and I, I said that and I, I went over there and then I moved to uh, moved to Toronto a year or so after that. So it's uh, that was my background. And as I said, like I I hadn't gotten jobs in a in a typical way. And my mentality with that was always mm-hmm. I do not want to be one of a thousand people applying for jobs. Like I just I had no interest in that space. Like I don't want to be there. Don't want to pit myself against a million other people who want this job equally as much and are equally as talented, if not more talented. So I was like, I, I will figure out a way to get a job where I am one of one applicant. Like that's all, that's, that's what I want to do. So when I moved to Toronto and no one would hire me, I was like, wait, this isn't how I got jobs anyway. Like this isn't how I did it. So like, yeah, figure out how you did that and then just do it again. You know how to do it. So, uh, so yeah, I came here and I was like, you know what, maybe I don't want to work in PR at all anymore. Maybe I want to be a wedding planner, which is what I'd always like kind of wanted to do as like a (laughs) a random job. And I was like, I've worked with actresses and actors like brides and have got nothing on that. Like I can, I can handle brides, no problem. Um, So I researched like every wedding planning company in Toronto and I found two that I loved. One, there's like a random amazing personal story that helped, that kind of led me to meet my fiance. And then the other one, um, she was like, I have all of my consultants, but it sounds like you're much more suited to PR anyway. I'm connecting you with a friend of mine. And I was like, Ugh, so disenchanted with the world of PR in Toronto. And I was like, they're never going to email me, whatever, whatever, kind of off on my next adventure. And, but I did get an email like an hour later from her friend um, and we went and met and had a coffee and she was like, I'm really busy. Um, Would you help me out with like a couple of accounts? And I was like, sure, like whatever, whatever you need. Um, So we did that. We started working together the day that we met and that turned out to be Emily, who is now my business partner at Shine and at the BodCon. So we've done some like amazing things together, but it was very clear just from like the moment that we met that we were meant to they were meant to do that and everything kind of fell into place. So we, uh, we started Shine PR, a boutique PR agency first. And about six months into that, we're like, we need, and mind you, this was like six years ago in, in Toronto. So like no, no influencer mm-hmm. agency, nothing like that. 
And we're like, we need to do something in this influencer space. No one is doing it. We should. So we we're like, okay. So we, I was yeah. like, okay. We split focus because we needed to. So M kept like the PR side going and, and running, which we needed to like make an income. Um, and I switched over to try and get the influencer side like up and running and off the ground. And and that worked really, really well for us. So we um, we launched Shine Influencers around nine or so months after we launched after we officially launched Shine PR. Um, we started with around twenty talent, um, mainly in. Now they're, they're a little split across across Canada, but they're all in Canada. Um, so we launched in it what we thought would be kind of like a bit of a side hustle, I suppose, to Shine PR um, ended up being like, gosh, like blowing through our, our expectations of, of what it could yeah. be. So, so yeah, with that, we're kind of like, okay, this, this is where our focus needs to be um, and has certainly gone that way. So we did that and then gosh, maybe two to two and a half years after we, we officially launched Shine Influencers in Toronto, we were getting so many requests from talent in the US, from brands in the US, um, all of these people who wanted to, to work with Shine, which was amazing. Um, so like we need to open an office in the US and then we opened our office in LA three years ago now I think it was around three years ago um and that again has has just grown um, amazingly well over time so I mean pre-COVID I I spent half of my time in LA and half my time in Toronto and Em would spend usually around a week a month in LA and the rest of her time here in Toronto and and yeah that's uh that's like our little shine story that's insane at how your background was so many different directions. Like you went from TV to then wedding planning, then like PR and influencer marketing. Like you really had such a long winding journey to get you where you are. But I think it's really cool because influencer marketing is a really new industry. So like if you wanted to do influencer marketing 20 years ago, there wasn't a thing for influencer marketing 20 years ago, you know? So I think that your, ex- yeah, your experience is one of those that's like, it really does show you how all your previous experiences, even if they don't make sense in the moment, it will get you to where you need to be. Oh my gosh. I think about that all the time. I think about like bosses who I had when I was like, I don't know, in like my teens and and how like things that I learned from them like come into play with how how I look at my team and, and how we run Shine. And, and, you know, the PR industry is, uh, how to say it? an interesting one, <laughs> I guess. Um, and and I think Emily and I, again, this is like where we were so like-minded in how we wanted to run Shine. And I think that's always what it was. And that was always like mm-hmm. why people were attracted to us and why team members were attracted to us and, and why talent came to us because it wasn't so much ever really about like what we did so much as it was about how we did it. And I think, you know, it's something that we come back to on gosh, like a monthly, a weekly basis, Emily and I, when, when we're talking about planning and things like that. And, and we look at like, why did we start shine? And like, what, and I certainly want to say there have been hurdles along the way. Like there, there's no question in that, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, there's, there's been a million and one, but I think for us always coming back to being so like-minded in the way we want to operate our business, the way we want to treat and respect and value and love our team. Like it, that's always been like what it was about, as I said, more so ever than like the actual business that we were doing. Right, right. And 
I like how you say how that's the reason why talent was attracted to you guys. That's the reason why people came to you. So when you did start Shine, you guys were a brand new agency. You both had experience in, you know, PR and other fields beforehand, but how did you attract those first clients? Like, was it really just like the company values that you instilled or like what I guess was your pitch when you were trying to find your very first client or your very first like 20 talent roster that you said, how did you get those people to trust you into representing them or managing them? Yeah. So I think it was a couple of things. So when we started, when we started Shine Influencers and when we were kind of going out to like pitch these talent, again, like the company did not exist then. Like we were pitching them Mm -hmm. something that did not exist. We did have Shine PR though. And I think from the very, very beginning of Shine PR, we were like, we want to do this in a different way. And that's what I mean with like the, again, just like the way we are with our team, the way we run the business, all of those types of things. You know, we were very deliberate about about how we did that. And even like if you go like way back on like the Shine PR Instagram, which we barely even touch anymore. But when you go back like deep, deep, deep into that, you look and like, again, it was never about what we did. Like we were never really about promoting like new client win. We did this for this client, this for that client. Like we never really did that. But we did post about like the shine, like I'll call it out overarching, like shine brand and lifestyle. There were like quotes about kindness mm. and like ponies wearing flower crowns. And it was like, it was so like, <laughs> again, like I want to say it was deliberate, but also very, like it was intentional, but so very natural to who we were. So it wasn't like, okay, this is like our strategy mm. with it. It was just like, this is who we are. So like, of course, this is what our Instagram would look like. And again, keeping in mind, this was like six plus years ago, like branded and like, you know, like PR agency influencer accounts, like they, they did not look like that. Like they just didn't like now, obviously everything right. is pretty branded, of course. Um, but they just didn't look like that then. So like we go back now and we look and like, like I think a week into launching shine again, like we had, there was nothing really there like we were working with um, an ad agency and kind of managing a lot of their like internal clients and their PR um, which was great as kind of like a stepping stone for us but like I look back and there are there are emails from mainly young women reaching out saying I I want to work for Shine and we're like do you know what we do like we never even post about it like why do you (laughs) work for us but they're like I, I remember the emails they're like I want to be a part of whatever it is that you're doing um which is like it's so cool and like we look back on that and again like that Emily and I talk about this all the time like it like that's still that is still who we are that's still how we approach our team members that's mm-hmm. still how we treat them and respect them and and all of those things it, it's just so important and when we went out to talent and and again like I love having these conversations I I know I had a like not that long ago with one of our talent, Philippa Jackson, who's based um, based here in Toronto as well. And she said, she's like, Jess, remember when you reached out to me, I had like 4,000 followers and I'd never done a paid collaboration. And I was like, but we just like, just believed in you. Like we knew you were going to do something amazing mm-hmm. and we could identify, I think we did a really good job at identifying that. And we could, we could see who mm-hmm. kind of had that like, influence for lack of a better word um but like who had that from the very beginning and who who was going to be able to be really successful in this industry and again an industry that like we didn't we didn't know where it was going to go and it's obviously just exploded but I think the talent who we went to like honestly we were so 
open and I, I believe we were anyway, so open and honest that we were like, we don't know exactly how to do this, but we know we can and we want to do it together. Like that was kind of always the yeah. like outro behind it that we'll like, and, and thankfully and crazily, I, I don't know, like they, they put like just such blind trust in us and, and, you know, the, some of those talent who we signed at the very beginning are still with us. Like we still represent them. We still, you know, we obviously now, like we've known them for six years, like we have genuine friendships with them. They mean a lot to us. So I, I don't take that lightly ever that they put that trust in us mm-hmm. at the beginning and even talent who we sign now, like they, they know they can go and get recommendations from other talent. They can scope us out. They can do all of that stuff. But at the end of the day, they have to put into our hands the business that they have built in some way, at least. Right. So like, Mm -hmm. and, and again, like I do not take that lightly because I know if someone said to me with shine, like, well, we're just going to come in, we're going to be an extension of your team and we're just going to take on this part of the business. I'd be like, absolutely not. Like I'm a control freak. Like I could like, right. Right. (laughs) Like again, these are people like these are talent who like they have built these brands from nothing. They've built them up. They're like a part of their body and soul and, and everything that they do. It's like an attachment to them. And, and they like, they trust us with that. And it's really special and, and cool. And I, I love having, you know, it's like, it's such an honor for us to be able to come in and, and do amazing things with these brands and, and look at them from more of a marketer's perspective and, and put all of that strategy into them and, and, you know, potentially open their eyes up to things that they just may not have considered. Because again, they're, they're so deep in it that, you know, it, it's hard to work on your business when you're working in your business. So I feel like we're able to come totally. with like more of an outsider's perspective, but really strong knowledge of the industry and say, you know, like we've identified that when you post about subject matter A, your audience loves it. Like, let's like, can we lean into that more? Like, what does that look like for you? Do you feel comfortable with that? Like, what's, how do, how do you feel, you know? And we can kind of give that, that guidance and strategy, which is really important. And of course, you know, as you said at the beginning, like it's, it's absolutely not waving a magic wand and saying like, you have an agent and now you have everything you have every color yeah. <laughs> you ever wanted and it's all magically here right in front of you you know it doesn't happen like that and and you have to work extraordinarily hard for it now talent do um but i think that you know we we are able to make a lot of introductions and and that's that's what we're there for we have a team who can pitch exceptionally well and they know how to do it they're very strategic thinkers and you know again it's it's just different like selling yourself than selling something you believe in. And, and, and we, we just believe in our talent. Mm. It makes it, I don't want to say it makes it easy because our team work incredibly hard. Um, but they, they certainly make it look easy. Yeah. And you have a roster that, like you said, you believe in a lot, you know, like you really believe in your team, you believe in your roster, the influencers that come to you, you are pretty much an extension of their business. So you really have to be involved. How do you pick like the influencers that you represent? Because now that Shine is more established, I'm sure that you have a lot of people that want to be represented by you. I'm sure you get emails every day being like, please represent me. (laughs) So how do you differentiate? (laughs) Yeah, we get to, we have an email set up solely for that because Mm -hmm. it 
there's just there's such a high volume that comes through which again i'm i'm that that makes me so happy because you know it's it's all word of mouth and that's not to say that there is some talent that like we haven't worked well with like my gosh like it's it's like any relationship right and some talent we drive straight away and some we don't and and that's that's cool and we'll always you know have a lot of respect for those decisions as well but when we're looking at talent who we think would be an amazing fit within the shine roster there's I would say there's three key things that I look at. So number one is content. Obviously, content is king, queen. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, looking at it, I'm like, what does this look like? Like, does this look like something that our like our network of brands would be really interested in? Is it unique in some way? Like, is it is it high quality content? Like that at a glance, do I like it? Mm-hmm. And that I mean, it's such a quick. Yes, I love it, and if I love it, I really love it. Or it's a hard no. There's like, there's for me, like, I'm, I don't know. I, I can make decisions pretty quickly, I suppose. So I, uh, that that's a quick, just like at a glance. Then next is numbers. And we just spoke about this earlier. Um, not so much purely like how many followers do you have? Though, of course, like we have to look at that. Um, but also what is your engagement? How many likes and comments are you getting um, per um, per, per post. Um, and then, you know, if there's someone where, again, they've kind of ticked that content box and would have ticked the, um, I'll say the surface level, like numbers box, then we're going to be asking them for more information. So I want to know how many story views do you get? What are your post impressions? What are your story impressions? What are your demographics, male, female, top cities, top countries, age range? Like we need to know all of that. Like we go, we go deep with that. Um, so we're looking at all of that. And then the last one, I'll call it like the the story or the message. So like, who are you? And like, why do you, why do you do what you do? And how have you grown this brand? And what does it, what does it mean to you? And I think that's so important. It's often a missing piece that like, and I've spoken to thousands of influencers, thousands over, over the years. And mm-hmm. And, you know, there are some, I mean, again, this is like no, there's no disrespect to anyone, but there are some that will be like, why do you, why do you do this? And they're just like, oh, fashion. I'm like, cool. Me too. But like, yeah, what, like, what is it? Like, you know, like when you were in high school, did like everyone come to you for advice on like how to do your hair? So you decided to start a blog with these hair tutorials because everyone already asked you. And like, like, where, like, where did it come from? Like, what was like the seed that was planted that, that made you want to do this? So there's those things. And then like, you know, is your message unique? Do you talk about, do you talk like almost exclusively about mental health or body image? Do you like, like what's, what is important to you and like, what's important to your, to your brand and your audience. And I think looking at that, you know, I I love representing talent who, when a brand comes to us or them and and wants to work with them and we say, Oh, you know what? They can't do it because you know, they're an exclusive contract with a competitor or whatever it is. They're not like, we can't really say to them, Oh, but here's 20 other people who are exactly the same and you could work with them too. And we can always offer alternatives, of course, but the storyline is different. Like, Oh, I know you wanted to work with this person because Mm -hmm. of this, have you considered kind of going down this path and working with someone in this kind of category? Because I think it would hit kind of those same key messages in, in the way that you want to. And I think it would be a really successful campaign. Um, so I think that, you know, I love working with people that are like, I want to work with this one or no one else. Like, I, I think that's, that's really cool. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's, that's being unique. And, and, and I love that we represent a lot of talent with, with very unique 
stories and messages and, and audiences that come to them for very unique reasons. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. And I, I love that you care more about just the numbers because numbers can tell you so much, but you care about the story, you care about their why, about their mission. And it really shows that influencer marketing and managing influencers, you're dealing with people. And I feel like a lot of times people think influencer marketing, it's like you can treat them as like a product, you know, or, you know, anything else. Like it's like, oh, well, as long as they meet the numbers, then it's fine. But really dealing with people is so much more I guess, unique or so you have to actually be personal. You can't just treat them as if they're any product off the shelf, if that makes sense. With like, oh, here's this influencer. Here's this one. <laughs> so I love that you look at it that way. Yeah. it's and, and again, like that's like now we do like with anyone we bring on, we do a one month trial to just make sure it's the right fit, you know? And like, right. as I said, like this is it's, we are in the business of relationships and, and the business of people and the business of collaborations. And, and that means a lot, right? Like we have mm-hmm. to, like, if, if I'm, if we're trialing um, talent, like, I want to know, like, can you submit content on time? Like, are we going to have a problem on our hands here? Like, what's your communication style? This is ours. Like, do we gel? Maybe not. I don't know. And right. that's like, it's okay. Like, it, you know, we can't represent every influencer under the sun, nor do we have any desire to, but, um, you know, it's, I think it's interesting to, to look at that and make sure that it's the right, the right fit. And again, it's just really like any other relationship. And also when you are dealing with like influencer marketing and brands, what are some common mistakes that brands you think make when they're working with influencers? Well, I think like, I mean, you said it perfectly just a moment ago that like really treating them like more of a commodity, you know, than like an actual mm-hmm. person who's going out and, and creating amazing content for them. Um, so I, I think that's that's one thing. And just like, I don't even know if I'd, I'd classify it as a mistake. I think it's just a lack of um, awareness and knowledge of the space, but like just really not recognizing their value, you know? And I think there's, you know, mm-hmm as we talked about at the beginning, there's so much that goes in behind the scenes that we just, we just don't see as, as consumers and often as brands, um, you just, you just don't see all the back end. So I think just like, you know, we've, I think there's just different ways to approach things. And, you know, we've had brands say, well, I don't think they're worth that rate instead of saying, I'm like, well, it's not that they're not worth the rate. It's that you don't have the budget. Um, so like may, maybe that's yeah. kind of like a little more where it's at. Um, but I think like in that regard, like, you know, as I said, also like rates are so negotiable. So I think instead of saying like, well, they're not worth that amount of money, you could say, well, actually, like I only have X amount. Is there something that we could make happen? And I like when people come right. with attitude to our team, we're like, you know what, we, we want to make something happen for you. So whilst we can't do a post because that's like way outside of the budget. I think we could probably do a series of stories with some swipe up links. Then we can track that and, and you'll have some really nice metrics. Um, so it's like, you know, like, as I said, we, our team are strategists at the end of the day and they, they want to make things happen for brands. So I think, you know, those types of things, it's, it's really just in the delivery and, and the approach from brands. Um, so I, I think that would be kind of like a key, you know, mistake if we're going to call it that um and then the other one Mm -hmm. i think just like expecting things to happen instantly from one single post like it just doesn't happen you know like what we know about about marketing to consumers now in like in this day and age is that consumers need to see something around 20 times before they're driven to purchase like 
that's a lot of times. So like, I think, you know, and I say this to clients right. all the time, they hate it, but I say it anyway, that I'm like, it's like having saying, okay, we're going to have one radio ad and like sell out of this product. Like no one feels yeah. that. <laughs> like it's, it's about traditional media. Like it's right. that's not going to happen. Like no one expects you to put one single billboard up on a highway and you sell out of product. Like it's, that's absurd to think like that. Um, so yeah. I think we probably need to give like a little bit more of that grace to like digital content creators because, you know, like their audience, like any other consumer, often needs to see things a couple of times. And, and we see that with our talent. You know, uh, I know there's been a couple of recent collaborations with one of our talent, the Birds Papaya, with um, NYX, an amazing um, underwear brand based out of Toronto. And Whilst now, like she, Sarah, the Birds of Pie, will do collaborations with NYX and they sell out instantly, but she's been working with them um, in a very organic way for like three or four years. So like her audience mm. is so, and, and not that this was like um, a necessarily even an, in, in, an intentional thing, but her audience was primed for those collaboration success because she'd been working with them over and over and over and over again, sometimes in a paid capacity, sometimes because she genuinely just loves the brand and is Mm -hmm. a huge for them. And that's how it began. Like that's how she started working with the company. Um, But with that, like, you know, we look at that and we're like, oh my gosh, she sold out X product in 25 minutes. And again, we're not looking at like, she spent years fostering that relationship both with her audience and with the brand. So like, that's why it went well. Not because, oh, like you pay an influencer X amount of money and they'll sell out your product in a day. It's because if nothing else, they've built that like amazing trust with their audience. And that's the commodity as opposed to like the influencer, right? Like the trust is what, the trust is where the value is, you know? Right. I mean, I think long-term partnerships are so much more strategic than like one-off partnerships. I mean, I have a YouTube channel and I work with um, Squarespace and it's like a long-term partnership. And I've talked about them so many times because before I ever did my partnership with them, I was using them. And so I organically talked about them. I took people through how I built my website. And then now that I have their sponsor, every like people always tell me like oh I just got my I made my website of Squarespace like thanks for the code and I don't think it's because of the one 45 second integration it's because of the 20. (laughs) Exactly exactly and I think you know again when it's like do influencers make this look easy like we we so quickly forget the years of unpaid collaborations and like you know is it like I know that we shine like the years of building it up and now I look at I'm like ah it's this like amazing shiny thing that I'm so proud of. Like even I almost forget like, my (laughs) gosh, the years that went into building it to what it is. And, and it's amazing now. And it was amazing then, but in a very, very different way. Yeah. And with shine, I know you always rave about how people were just attracted to who you guys are, your values, your company. And it started with just you and Emily. So when you add people to that team, I feel like it can get hard to kind of instill those same values onto them. So how do you build a team while still maintaining like that company culture and still maintaining that like mission that you started from the beginning? Yeah. And now we have to do it fully remotely which adds a whole other layer of difficulty difficulty to it. But I think that, you know, we were very 
you know, we're, we're very deliberate and very intentional with the people we hire. Does that mean every hire has worked out? Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes, you know, it's it's hard to tell what people are going to be like in an interview. Like our interview selves are very different to like how we come into a job. Um, and I, I get that completely. But it's, uh, you know, we, we just did, um, you know, an exercise with our leadership team a couple of weeks ago. And we're like, let's kind of like draw out this avatar of, of what what qualities does a shine employee have? Because I think for me, like I care less about like where you went to school, what you studied, what your past jobs have been like, cool. Like, you know, I look at it obviously, but like, you know, now I look at, you know, when people write a cover letter or they're writing an email to, to us to apply for a job, are they saying, dear hiring manager? Are they saying like, dear Jess and Emily, because like you can find us on our website real easy and like, do you care about this job? Like we just hired someone. And for example, when they did their resume, they branded it in Shine's branding. Like yeah. that, like, you know, all, all founders, you know, love to talk about their businesses, of course, and things like that. You're like, ooh, you also like this business that I built. Yeah. <laughs> it's so flattering. Like flattery will get you everywhere. My gosh. Um, but I think that looking at like little things like that and like, how do you take it? A step further like how, what does that look like and or people who apply to jobs when like we're not hiring I'm like I love that I'm like I mm-hmm. love that like, you weren't like oh there's no role here that's that that's a barrier for me but and again I like that because it like reminds me of, of my attitude right that, that I had with it but I'm like apply like I don't know like we've made up roles for the right person um right, and I right. you know we, we look at that and we look at people who who want to have have like leadership, and I'm such a firm believer that there's there's two very distinct types of leaders, and there's people who lead by title, and there's people who lead by action, and and you know there are people who are like, well, I'm a director, so I am the leader of this team, or there are people who are coordinators in our team who lead meetings and lead action and lead strategy because like they just have those leadership skills in them. And I do not believe that like you have to have a title to be a leader. So I, I love seeing those kinds of qualities in people. Mm-hmm. And I think we, we have so many people like that at Shine. And I think really at the very end of the day, it comes down to when Emily and I started Shine, it was, it felt like it was, it was so much more than just the sum of the two of us. Like, yes, like we, you know, we, we bred it and it, it you know, it, it came from us. But from the moment we had interns, like our first employees were interns, like it always felt, and I hope it felt to them as well. And I, and I do believe it did because like our, our two first interns, like, like MB and Nikki, like I remember them, I still adore them. Like we're still yeah. contact, like, like they're, they are like a part of our shine story, you know, and they're, they're a part of that, like shine family from the very beginning. And I think it never felt to Emily and I that it was like only ours. It was like everyone's who who was there and, and who worked with the team. So I think that, again, like I'm saying all these things, I hope the team feels like that. <laughs> but I, uh, I, I think- I'm that sure the they team, do. I'm sure. <laughs> like, gosh, we're just like not the kind of people to like lead with an iron fist. Like it's just not our style. Like, and, and we talk about this all the time, like how we want people to be, having fun and and yes let's do amazing work and let's hire 
brilliant people who are much smarter than us, that's for sure, um, to do incredible things with this company. But I want them to feel like our success is their success. And, and that's very, that that's so, it's just always been important to, to Emily and I to, you know, to, to grow that way and, and to make sure yeah. that, that, you know, that that's our commodity, right? That that's ours that like, we, we just adore the, this team that we've built and, and we're extraordinarily protective of it. So like, if, if there's a disruption to that, we're like, Oh, what is this flag? What does that mean? Like what's happening here? And, you know, it's uh, we, we rectify it quickly. Yeah, I think it's really, I mean, I honestly am so inspired by even hearing how you guys lead and how you have a team, because as someone who's trying to build a business also, it's really scary for me to like delegate things to people or to hire, like it scares me hiring. And I don't know, you know, I'm like, am I doing this right? Like, I don't know how I'm doing it. So it really inspires me hearing how you guys really instill that like company culture with every single person you hire. Yeah, well, I'm uh, I'm glad to hear that. And as you know, I've said a couple of times, I I am certainly not here to say that it was uh, you know that it was out without its hurdles and, and things like that along mm-hmm. the way because there have been plenty of them. Um, but that said, you know, like all you can do is is learn as you go. And, and with every like big hurdle that we have, and as I said, there's been like there's been some brutal ones that like crush you. And and when you've built something that is yours and it's, it's so personal. Like it's an extension of like, it feels like an extension of like your body that like when something disrupts that, like it hurts. And, and I think people say, you know, like I've had so many people say to me, like, it's just business. You have to be, I'm like, what, what do you mean? It's just business. Like, no, yeah. (laughs) My everything into this, like it is absolutely, they're like, don't take it personally. I'm like, it's the most personal thing I've ever done in my whole life. Like it is me, like, as I said, that brand, like that, like core, core identity of shine, like it is myself and Emily, like that's where it was born from. So like, how can you not take it personally when it's a part of your person? So like, I think like for us, like we just like leaned so heavily into that because like it is us and we do take it personally and we're going to have a ton of fun with it and we're going to hire amazing people and, and that's just what it's going to be. And if, if you get kind of hurt along the way with that, because, you know, the, you know, people don't respect that or don't understand it, then that's like, that's okay. But we've always like chosen to just not waver in why we started and how we started. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, I love that. I think it's amazing what you've built and you have proof in what you've built and how many people are on your team now, your amazing roster, the companies that you've worked with. So you have started a while ago in the influencer industry. How has it changed? How would you say has it changed since when you started to even now, like during in the middle of the pandemic, I feel like in the middle of the pandemic or in the beginning of the pandemic, everyone, I heard everyone say, oh, influencer marketing is dead now because of the pandemic. Like this is the end of influencers. They can't travel anymore. They can't do whatever anymore. Like how, and clearly we've seen that it's not dead. It's actually booming. So how would you say it's changed just with all of that? Like from six years ago to pandemic to now? Gosh, it it has changed in in every way possible, and and I agree. Mm-hmm. I think, oh, is this the end of the influencer industry? I'm like, gosh, it was the beginning, right? Right. Of like, it's it's amazing to see to see what's happened to this space in the last year or so. But in terms of like the beginning, like just 
it's so different in terms of the types of conversations we were having back then. Like back then, like when we started six years ago, we had to be like, we had to convince people why to work with influencers. And then for a while we had to convince Mm -hmm. people to pay influencers. And now like they, they come to us and we're like, sure, we, we, we get it. We know how to do this. Um, You know, it's funny to look back and I, I so clearly remember the first time we locked in a deal that was $1,200. And I, I know who the talent was. I know who the brand was. Like, I know that deal. It was six years ago. And I I remember being like, oh my gosh, we booked a $1,200 deal. And keep in mind, like, we take a 20% commission. So like, like the talent gets mm-hmm. the most, right? So I remember being like, we have yeah. <laughs> we did it. We did it. So like, like, and I, and I love remembering that excitement. Like that, that makes me so happy that again, like we still, we just talked with our team about this the other day, that when Em and I first started Shine, we would, we spent a lot of time in the car together because we'd be going from like meeting to meeting to meeting. Um, and after so many meetings, we'd be like, ah, oh, we're so excited. Like, this is so exciting. And I think from, from that and through until right now, and as I, I mentioned to you, I think before we started recording, um, we just launched our first um, like virtual conference platform, which is called the BODCon. And with that, like, you know, again, we kind of had that like rush back of feelings of just like being so excited. And that was always our qualifier, I, I suppose, if you will, of like what the right direction for us was. So we're like, if we're excited, like we know it's good and we know we're onto something and mm-hmm. and we're going to have a lot of fun with it. So I um in terms of how it's changed, like I think our mindset is like so similar. So that stayed very consistent, but the industry around us has like, my gosh, like 360 doesn't even cover it, right? Like it's gone 360 and then around again. Right. Um, so like, you know, from the days where we'd be beyond thrill to locking in like a $1,200 campaign for one of our talent to now, you know, the team lock in like campaigns in the hundreds of thousands or <laughs> like, you know, like it's, it's such a shift. Right. In that. And again, it's like, we really had to like convince the brands and agencies, like we had to push so hard. And like, I'm, I'm, I'm proud that our talent, especially the ones that have been with us for a long time, know that like we advocated for them from day one. Like we were like, we were here for this industry. We were here for them. We were like forever excited. Um, And now, you know, there's, there's different things. Now we have to negotiate usage and exclusivity and all these things, which we never did before because it just wasn't a thing. And this, this industry is evolving and that's, again, it's really exciting and it's cool to see. And that's why, you know, with launching BODCON, we're like, what, what do we, I don't want to say, what do we want to do next? Because we're doing them at the same time, but we're kind of like, there's something um, that we need to do in like the body confidence and self-love space. It's important to us. It's important to shine. It's a part of shine's identity. So like, let's, let's launch this new platform where, you know, people can, can kind of go and have a space to like, learn how to like love their bodies and and things like that. So shine has now Mm -hmm. been such an amazing springboard for us like those those like other like fun passion projects yeah so BODCON is a virtual conference is it usually in person or was this the first year that it was virtual yes it was like two days ago <laughs> so it was uh, it was definitely virtual this time um and i i certainly hope that we'll do something in a live setting um in the in the gosh 
months, years, sometime to come, um, whenever whenever we're allowed to uh, kind of get out of the house again and, and do events in person, um, there'll certainly be some live elements. There's no question to that. Um, but for now, we kind of love doing it virtually, to be honest, because I think it, it allowed us to make it so accessible for so many people from all over the world. Like we had people on Sunday tune in from, you know, obviously Canada and the US, but also from like Greece and Mexico, Romania, Australia, New Zealand, like all over. Like it's so cool to like, like you just don't have the ability to have that kind of like geographical reach with an in-person event. So Mm -hmm. it's like really, really fun to kind of see how that could roll out. Yeah, that's awesome. I feel like Shine is now just going in so many different places and growing so much as the industry shifts and as it grows. Mm-hmm. Because I think that influencer industry or influencer marketing and the influencer industry is going to become the next like entertainment industry. Like, yeah. I think influencers are becoming celebrities. They're, you know, not to say that Hollywood is shifting away because I think Hollywood will always be there, but influencers are rising at such a rapid rate and just the industry mm-hmm. is getting so much bigger. So you guys are keeping up with it in such a great way. And virtual events is definitely next. You know, people want to have a space where they can connect like very personally with their favorite influencers, hear them speak, hear hear them have like their expertise. So I think what you're doing is awesome and incredible. And before we go, what the last question I wanted to ask you is what are some trends that every influencer should look at right now? So what do you think is next? Like that if you are an influencer, you're wanting to get into the space what trends are coming? Um, I think a couple of them. So certainly like the whole like body confidence and self-love space, mm-hmm. not that that's a trend, but it's like, it is not slowing down. Um, that's really cool. So that like with a, with a touch of like mental health awareness in there. Um, so I love, 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 love seeing that. Um, obviously video content um, is, is huge. And I think for, for anything, you know, we don't know what's going to come next with, Instagram and TikTok and, and, you know, new platforms that we don't even know about yet. So I think with that, like, you know, certainly always being an early adopter of those types of things and being there to like test and, and, and play around with them is, is a huge, huge asset. Um, I was going to say something else. What was it? Um, oh, um, social good projects. So I think like really attaching yourself to Mm -hmm. something, um, a, a cause that you believe in. So I think we're going to see, um, especially in 2021, 2022, a lot more cause related content. And again, it kind of ties in a little bit to what I was, um, how I spoke about shine before, but I think we're going to see a lot more brands wanting to, um, communicate through social talent, not what they sell, but who they are. And I think that's going to be really, really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I could not agree more. I think everything you said is so spot on and it's going to definitely be like people are really going or brands are really going to need to start getting their message across and who they are because I do think that while yes, influencers are going to still continue to sell product, they're really selling a brand and people, brands need to be more personable. You know, they can't be as distant as they once were. Um, So I definitely think that that's going to happen. But Jess, where can they find you? Where can they find Shine? Or just shout out BodyCon also. So shout out every all your links. <laughs> all my handles. My gosh. So mine yeah. is, of course, I have a tricky last name to spell, but mine is Jess underscore Hunnishan on Instagram. Uh, Shine is Shine under Shine underscore influences on Instagram. And the BodCon is the BodCon on Instagram. So 
yeah, but if you find one of them, you'll probably find the others. So you can uh, go on a little uh, a little scavenger hunt for them all. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you so much. Thanks, Natalie. I hope that you guys enjoyed this podcast. If you guys did like it, be sure to give five stars on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Instagram. Let me know who you want to hear from next on this podcast. But thank you guys so much for listening. And I will see you guys next week with another episode on The Real Real Podcast. Hey, my name is Lovan Rumpf, and I've been working my ass off as a celebrity stylist by day and a podcast host by night. At the Low Life Podcast, it's all about keeping it real. We're talking fashion, beauty, to religion, sex, drugs, mental health. I mean, there's no topic off limits here, and vulnerability is mandatory. You can find my podcast, The Low Life, that's L-O, no W, everywhere and anywhere you listen to your podcasts. New episodes are out every Thursday. We'll see you then.